everyone. This is Leanna Ritter, and you are listening to the 3 and D podcast. Um, I have Sean Coleman here with me. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you, Leanna? I'm making it. Um, it's nice to be able to watch basketball all day long. I kind of feel like it's almost like March Madness, um, but it's kind of nice. It's different, but it's nice. It is. It is. And that's the thing about it is that, you know, with the with the Sixers or excuse me, the, the Sixers. No, they didn't win anything. The Celtics uh, winning the game earlier today. Um, you kind of realize that, you know, this three weeks or so where we've had nothing but basketball all day. It, it is nice to have, you know, it stinks. The Grizzlies aren't in it, but you better get as much of it in as you would like, because starting next week, these games are not going to be there. A lot of these series are going to be done. So, right. It's definitely not. You know, bad basketball, or depending on how you look at it, is better than no basketball for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I guess we could just start with how you're feeling now, being a week removed from the bubble. Um, I know for a fact that at first I was I was a little disappointed, um, and it's hard not to be. Um, you know, you have all this hype and all these high expectations, but in the grand scheme of things – we still overachieved. I mean, it stinks to leave the bubble two and seven when, I mean, me as a fan, I can see how, how many capabilities that we have. And I see so much potential with our team, but it's a little disappointing. Um, I'm trying to look at the silver lining. Of course, we still have a young team. We still have Superman, John Morant. So it's kind of, it's bittersweet. How are how are you handling post bubble stress? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm actually I'm, I'm all right with it. Uh, you know the uh, um, the idea is you know looking back, I'm a lot more positive about than you know looking forward when it comes to this off season. And that's that's nothing against the Grizzlies. You know, it seems like you know over the past couple of days they've been talking about this this off season. It's probably going to be a little bit longer in and of itself. Uh, than a regular offseason. But, you know, looking back, you really have to consider also, though, how the Grizzlies ended. You know, you go back, you know, 11 or 12 days, you know, your feelings before that Bucks game coming off the Celtics game, you know, Memphis Memphis Twitter itself was was, was was imploding. Nobody was really happy with it. But then you look, but you get back to Jaw, see how he played against the Celtics, and then the Bucks and the Trailblazers game. You know, there were – the bubble itself was disappointing. But when you look at the adjustments Taylor Jenkins made with the roster that he had, how he made that roster competitive with his offensive schemes and, and stylings, lineup changes. You saw Jaw take over uh, on a big stage. You know, he was sharing that court with Dame. And in all honesty, there were times when he was sharing the court with Damian Lillard where John Morant was the best player. So that type of development was just very encouraging. It's it, it stinks that Jaron wasn't out there, but but all in all, you just you again saw glimpses of why the future is so bright in Memphis, both because of John Morant and Taylor Jenkins, um, you know, and the emergence of a few players such as Grayson Allen and others. So it was I, it ended a lot better than I think a lot of people had anticipated just a few days before it was supposed to end. So I, I look at it more of a positive of how it ended than the experience overall. Right, and it's also nice to give them this sort of uh, 
I guess, playoff-like, even though it technically wasn't the playoffs, but a playoff-like experience, um, especially being such a young team. You know, it kind of depends on how you looked at the bubble as a whole and what your expectations were. And I said from the very beginning that, for me, this is just a practice round because this year is so different and so weird. It's like, does it even count? You know, I mean, it's still the playoffs and you're still playing for a ring, but – Looking at it in that, I guess, that point of view, it's kind of nice to know that they had these close game experiences that they can take with them when it actually does matter and things are back to normal and it is a real playoff when we're back in the FedEx form. It's nice to know that without fans and without any kind of atmosphere, really, they are still capable of holding pretty decent teams to 10 or so points even. Yeah, I agree completely. And the other thing that I'll say about the good competition, you know, you said playoff atmosphere. It is a practice round, but against better competition, you had some revelations come to play. You know, you saw just how important Tyus was. You saw potentially that the Anthony Melton struggles when, you know, Tyus is not on the court. How does that impact his, you know, offseason coming up? You saw Dylan in a role to where he probably, um, you know, should get added to the bench in the future if we do find a starter. And if you do keep him when you find that starter, just think of how dynamic our bench will be with Tyus back. Grayson and Dylan shooting and Brandon Clark on the bench. So we can go into all those things at a later time, but just in general, the playoff experience, I agree with you 100%, was great. But it also gave this organization the ability to kind of see, you know, what players truly make a difference against these teams that we're going to have to beat as we get closer on our path to contention. Absolutely. I think it's also nice to get the national attention that all of us have really been seeing. Um, we all know how – crazy John Morant can play. We've all seen it, but not every single basketball fan has. Um, so it's kind of nice to get that kind of exposure as well. 100% agreed. After that game against Damian Lillard, you know, I you see a lot of it, but I have not seen – it may be just because you don't see it a lot with Memphis, but I have not seen – everyone nearly like Dame and CJ McCollum after the game and then all of the folks over social media I know you know you with your social media experience you may see it more often but everybody was was you know showing how much they respected y'all and shout y'all out things such as that and it's just great it's a wonderful experience it again is other it's further validation that the Grizzlies have something John Moran that we've not had before in the history of the franchise absolutely so with our luck that we had with the past two drafts, how are you feeling knowing that our debt is paid finally five years later? <laughs> well, a, a, couple of, a couple of thoughts so with, with the Jeff Green trade. Um, I, I thought now, you know, I know it's a first-round pick, but in general, it's a, it's, a, it's a pick in the teens in a very weak draft. Some are calling it the, you know, worst draft since 2013, which was one of the historically worst drafts in NBA history. So to pay the debt in that draft is wonderful. It couldn't have worked out better for the Grizzlies. Um, I know that people, you know, may have been thinking about a top-four pick, but even with that, I, I kind of said it on my, on my podcast with, with Lock on Grizzlies. I said that the reason why I like the idea of getting it taken care of now and getting the pick of 2021 is that it sets us up no matter if we make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs next year we're still going to benefit and the bigger thing for me is there's a good chance we're not going to make the playoffs next year that's not me trying to be negative it's just a realistic outcome 
but it gives this front office another attractive asset to use um, for them to, you know, pick a good player to put with Jaron and Jaw or to potentially use in a trade. So the more attractive asset and it, with as creative our front as our front office is, I'm very happy that it worked out the way that it did. I totally agree. I saw a ton of people who were arguing about um, whether or not they should convey, and I, I am less than impressed with this draft. I mean, yeah. I feel like you have a couple of studs, but nothing nothing worth risking next year when you could potentially – I mean, this is kind of reaching a little bit, but even drafting somebody like Cade Cunningham. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's it, – it, it was a smart move uh, – getting it out of the way with a average draft class. I totally agree with that. So with that being said, I know a lot of, I think Twitter was breaking uh, prior to the lottery. Why does every Memphis Tiger fan believe that James Wiseman fits on our roster? <laughs> Well, the reason why they think he fits on the roster is because he's something that they've never – not that they've never had, but he's something that this city hasn't had since Derrick Rose, basically. Um, I, I know that they – I forget what – with um, Joe Jackson, Johnson, the point guard, the four kings. I know that they, they went through the four kings era. But um, with, with James Wiseman, you know, Memphis is a city – that just loves basketball so much. They, they love just in general. It, it's, it's, it's woven in, in the culture and the DNA, as they say, of the city more than most, maybe Chicago, other places, but it, it's hard to find a place that loves basketball more than Memphis. And for the, them to have one of their own as a number one prospect, and unfortunately with the situation that occurred at the University of Memphis, they didn't get to see him. The Memphis fans just truly feel they don't, they really have not seen any proof that the hype may be overhyped, so they want to see it happen in Memphis, so they feel he's a good fit for the route, his roster. He's not. Um, I don't think that he's going to be a generational-type talent. I, I, he may have an all-star year here or there. Um, I think that he is going to be a good NBA player, but he he would not have been the focus, I don't think, for this uh, Grizzlies team. Um, and while they a lot of people do like him, as they should, I wish it would have worked out better for Memphis. I'm also glad that we avoided the situation entirely so we wouldn't have had to have a, go, a whole offseason where you know a lot of accounts may have been deactivated when we didn't pick him. Yeah, I, I, you know, I disagree a little bit in the aspect that, you know, yes, he went to the University of Memphis for a short period of time, but he is not a Memphis kid. He's from Nashville. He followed Penny here, you know, and I don't feel like that. I agree with you. He's not a generational, he's not a John Moran, you know, he's not someone who is could build an empire, I don't think. I think he had the potential to be at one point, but I just don't see it being a realistic or even a smart fit for us at the time. Yeah. And the other thing that I'll say is this, is that, you know, one thing could be, you're right, he is from Nashville. I wonder also if it's just a matter of with the Tigers and, their, and the Memphis fans, you know, since they didn't get to experience what they had hoped and dreamed about with the Tigers, you know, perhaps them getting him at the Grizzlies could have made up for that. You know, they could have actually experienced him playing um, for the Grizzlies. But I'll tell you this, um, you know, we, we were kind of talking about it before the show. I know Wiseman didn't work out. 
but he just, he's, you know, just one example of how exciting it is. I know you just graduated from school yourself and uh, I graduated, um, you know, back uh, in 2008, but you know, it's exciting now, especially cause I think Musa, I think the, 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 the uh, recruit that they just got, I forget his last name, but his uh, first name is Musa. I believe. Okay. Um, with, yes. With him, Penny showing that he's going to be able to recruit. Now the Grizzlies have this young core in place. I know Wiseman didn't work out, but I think that it is exciting, even if we don't get Wiseman, that we're in an era, you're at an era as a young adult, where you're going to get to see Memphis at, at one of its peaks when it comes to basketball, like I did, you know, when the uh, Tigers were doing what they were doing and then the Grizzlies were starting the grit and grind runs. Despite Wiseman not working out, hopefully it will for the Tigers here soon with Penny. Absolutely. We can only hope. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of hope on my end for the uh, team I cheer for, but uh, with this uh, being the podcast you're hosting, I won't get into much of that. (laughs) Right. It's nice. You know, it's it's tough when you have those down years um, because it seems like they can last forever, but it only takes one good year to give you that hope again. Agreed. Agreed. Agreed completely. And for the Grizzlies, that's been the, the draft lottery. So now we'll ask you a question, um, Leanna. So obviously um, it seems like it's crazy that it was just seven months ago. Um, it feels like it's been seven years with how long this year is going on. But of course, obviously it's just, I believe a day removed. Today's the 22nd, 23rd, a couple of days removed. Kobe Bryant passing away and today's his birthday. And we've seen a lot of stuff about it. Um, but you know, we're seeing the WNBA they're in the bubble as well and obviously you know girl dad is 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 big thing that Kobe was for and we've just seen a lot of movement for that I think it's very important that that happens you know when you're thinking about Kobe and thinking about his birthday you know how how does that hit you I I I say we're in two different generations because you know I think me and you are probably you know more than a decade apart age-wise but how does Kobe someone who you kind of saw the latter career but how does he hit you and and, 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 you know a fan of basketball in the early 20s now um you know it's I, it's kind of one of those moments when he passed away, it's kind of like you remember where you were. And I think it'll always be like that. Um, it's, I will say that his passing has been such a good segue that has yeah. put more emphasis on women in the industry. Um, and yeah. I'm thankful to have, I mean, it's the tragedy, it, it's rough, but it's very comforting to know that something like that can lead to better things. It's nice to see so much support of women in the sports industry because of that and because of his daughter. And it's, it stings still. I don't, that's one of those deaths that I don't think I'll ever get past, but it's very comforting to know that what can come from something so tragic. Agreed. And and that was the other thing I was going to say was that, you know, you are seeing a lot of positive energy towards um, um, women in the industry, especially, you know, unfortunately with the passing of Kobe and his daughter Gigi. Uh, but, you know, even the NBA, you know, when you look at this, we were, I mean, you're talking about watching basketball and the rankings being down, you know, and you know, obviously we got firsthand experience of that with Mark Jackson, but just seeing Doris Burke, I'm someone, I know, you know, as y'all know, Anna can see it right here. Um, I'm a big, huge Tennessee fan, but I am a diehard Tennessee women's fan. I, I, I love Pat Head Summit, and I, I was hoping 
that, you know, like names like Carol Lawson and Candace Parker. I'd love to hear more voices like that be in the industry and featured more. I know they've got their other obligations. Kara's obviously uh, the coach, I believe, at Duke now. Um, but but I, I think that if the NBA wants to improve ratings, get more women involved. I think that that's going to be a way to do it because you've got a perfect example of how it works with Doris Burke. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, and it doesn't it doesn't matter where or what team you cheer for. If you're a woman in the sports industry, you are a Pat Summit fan. Like it is that that's just that it is what it is. And having so many influ- influential women like that leading the way is just like you said, a prime example of how ratings can go up when you have something different than you've had Every other season, it gives a new face and a new perspective to the game of basketball. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the thing about it is that, you know, sports in general, I think we're kind of running to the end. You know, they say that, you know, a lot of stuff, things run their course. Well, you know, in my opinion, having former players announce – today's game baseball football basketball it's fine because these players know the ins and outs of the game but when they're constantly given you know the 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 microphone or they're given the stage to downplay the changes in the games are these young generations wanting to be more you know flamboyant and show their personality if you've got older players constantly you know talking down on it Nobody's going to like that product. So getting other perspectives, you know, there are tons of, you know, women, whoever it may be, there are tons of folks who can offer a fresh and different perspective that can encourage what's going on instead of trying to downplay it. And I think that's a a focus that the NBA and other sports should go with. And I also think it's a generational thing. I, I think the more we move forward progressively, um, I think more that those, I guess, I guess the best way to say it is marketing techniques change. Yeah. And evolve. So, yeah, that I totally agree with that. Okay. So, as far as coach of the year, um, Nick Nurse won. I think he had ninety votes. It was it was a pretty steep win. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What's your opinion on that? I think that it went well. Um, I, I, I think that, um, you know, Taylor Jenkins, um, you know, himself, he finished sixth um, in the uh, uh, overall, and he got a couple of second-place votes. And I agree with it. You know, it, it, Taylor Jenkins really never had a shot, which is not anything that towards Jenkins. It was just that, you know, typically that award's going to go to um, someone who is coaching a contender. And Nick Nurse, you know, it's kind of crazy. How does the guy who won the NBA championship, you know, win coach of the year again? You wouldn't think that that would be such a hard thing for people to, you know, uh, such a hard concept to kind of get behind. But a lot of people did. And it's not because, you know, Nurse had the same roster in place. He had to overcome losing Kawhi, who, you know, as we saw over the past couple of games with the Clippers, Kawhi's been the best playoff player, you know, in the league for the past couple of years. So I think Nick Nurse deserved it. I think Budenholzer and others did. I don't think Vogel deserved it over um, Taylor Jenkins. But it just goes to show when you see those rankings and you see where Jenkins landed in the coach of the year voting, you realize, man, this guy's up there with some pretty, you know, substantial names. So it's for his first year is incredible. Definitely, right. definitely I, a good thing. I, I totally agree. Um, I think he, since March 11th, he had close to an 80% um, winning record, and that's 
pretty impressive. So I think that was very fair. But I also think that having Taylor Jenkins even being in the top 10 says a lot with him being a first-year coach in such a young team with such low expectations. I don't think it would be unrealistic to see him higher next year um, or even in the next couple of years seeing him win Coach of the Year. I don't think that's unrealistic. Um, I think that he's done an excellent job in adjusting, and I think that there is potential for him to win Coach of the Year. Agree completely, and the development certainly of the roster will will help out. Like I say, we're we're uh, the, the the Grizzlies. While Taylor Jenkins, they may have hoped that he would have won Coach of the Year. They're going to Grizzlies fans are going to get their moment in the sun um, with uh, John Moran. You know, it, it, it's in my opinion, it could be one of the more unanimous Rookie of the Year um, announcements in quite a while. Um, the bigger issue is um, how is Brandon Clark who had one of the most efficient years in rookie history and just was an absolute difference maker, even to the point of being more of a difference maker than Zion in, in some ways. How is he left out for a guy who was a did not play a coach's decision in these playoff games with the Heat? Um, Kendrick Nunn had a great year, but, you know, I'm going to bring up that a little bit on, on social media myself, even, you know, when they announced a job one. Brandon Clark should be second in the rookie of the year voting, in my opinion. I totally agree, but, you know, I feel like that's the nature of the beast. I I hate to say that sometimes they are out to get us, but I do feel like that sometimes they are out to get us. <laughs> <laughs> I could not agree more. All right. Well, um, Sean, do you want to go ahead and tell us where to find you on social media? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for and, and thank you for having me. Um, you can find me um, at StatsSAC. That's at S-T-A-T-S-S-A-C. My profile picture is one of Leanna's favorite profile pictures on Twitter. Of course, it's Garth Brooks waving the Tennessee flag at one of his kneeling concerts, but we won't go into that. Um, I also um, I, I, you can also uh, listen to me through Locked on Grizzlies. Um, I, I uh, uh, this past week uh, and I was uh, fortunate enough. I'm the host of, of that. A show, um, and uh, you know, we t- probably do three or four shows a week. You can follow the um, um, show at Locked on Grizz, uh, but just in general, um, you know, looking to uh, uh, certainly uh, get into the off season. There's going to be plenty of stuff to talk about. And uh, again, I can't thank you so much for having me on the show, Leanna. Absolutely, thank you for talking with me. Um, and guys, you can find me at Leanna Ritter underscore. It took me about a month to remember what my Twitter handle is. Um, hopefully next week you guys will have Justin back. He just welcomed his new baby boy, Levi. So if you guys want to send him some congratulations, I'm sure he would love that. So until next time, I'll see you guys later. Mm-hmm.